it's night and day. The life I had pre-starting my business versus it's complete night and day. It's interesting to kind of think about how much more energy and momentum I've had and zest for life now that I'm in this, this chapter. Welcome to You Better, a show about personal discovery and love. I'm your host, Keisha Garrison, and I'm on that journey of knowing and loving who I really am every day, just like you. I want you to come face to face with yourself and be proud of what you see. My friend, it's time to do better. It's time to you better. Now let's get to it. Hello, hello. What a joy it is to be here with you in this episode where we are going to explore a very common experience, that experience of feeling like you're in the wrong profession. So many people go through this, but they stick it out for years, even when that work environment is so bad, it feels like it's going to break you. Now, that's not surprising here in the U.S. where I'm based. Our country was founded on a principle that business is more important than humanity or compassion. Enslaved people's bodies and lives were sacrificed in the name of production and business success. And what it meant to be celebrated as a prominent business leader was to be someone who amassed wealth by squeezing the most and fastest productivity out of people for the least expense, no matter what it costs the people doing the work. Those values don't just go away as the country matures. They morph with the times. Now, people didn't sacrifice themselves willingly back then, but now we have gotten so used to doing so in the name of survival that it is hard to imagine what another kind of existence would look like. My guest today, Suki Jefferson, is someone who allowed herself to imagine and to pursue another way. Suki and I share the experience of being young Black women who left corporate jobs to launch our own businesses. Her company is called Suki's Candle Company, and she is a new kind of leader. I'll call her the soulful CEO. Let's jump right into this conversation where Suki takes us inside of the experience of how her life changed when in an act of self-love, she made space for and listened to the messages from inside herself and allowed them to guide her decisions. And then, let me tell you this, Suki does not carry on with business as usual. Let's get into her story. Before, I sort of felt like the years were rolling by and I was kind of just like plug and play and it sort of felt like going through the motions. I feel activated and engaged with every chapter of my life now in such a, in such a deeper, more meaningful way. I always say that the world needs more people who are locked into their passion because everybody has these incredible, unique gifts. And if only we could see more people realizing that, there's there's so much more that we could see people evolve into. I was always attracted to those people yeah. who were just living inside of that that specific thing yeah. that they had they were drawn yeah. to. But to see it as a possibility for myself, as opposed to following the formula of success, you're trying to make it feel good. And it's it's forcing it. It's forcing it. And I think a lot of it is driven by external factors of, I have a mortgage to pay, or I I have student loan debt. There is a lot of risk that comes from it. it. It requires a certain amount of grit and courage and tenacity. But it was a lot of those corporate environments 
put people to sleep in terms of their dreams. You know, a lot of the corporate environments are supporting, that's someone else's dream. There's maybe a few people's dream at the top, but -hmm. everybody else behind that is supporting that. And we need that in the world. That's important too, to keep things moving forward. Now that I think about it, I can kind of laugh or smile because I don't know what part of me thought that I would have thrived in that environment, considering that I'm a byproduct or child of two artists. 1,000. You read me, you took the words right out of my brain. Like your brother is an artist as well. My brother's a dancer, a DJ. My mother, if you walk into her home, you certainly would see artistry everywhere. She's constantly doing something with her hands and creating, whether it's painting or doing some kind of cool sculpture. My father was a poet. He was a lead vocalist in a funk band back in the day. He was a visual artist. He was an educator. He was an actor. So our household was was such a creative sort of melting pot of ideas and storytelling and craftsmanship and music and and culture and film and um, of all different genres as well. And language also hearing all, you know, my mother speaks three different languages, you know, so I was in a very creative home as a child and, and it took so many years for me to begin identifying that artistry within myself as well. And I think my family probably knew while I was in corporate that that I had the skill. That's the interesting thing is I had the skill set for it. You know, Spellman in particular mm. gave me this like beautiful resume. It gave me kind of the know-how to navigate in any world, in any environment. It felt like the right thing to do. Like, well, I'm well-spoken. I'm, I can write really well and I'm, I'm not easily intimidated. I can use my degree in sociology to make sense of a lot of different things in a corporate space and add value to different teams. And so just because I was good at it, I, I thought I needed to stay in it. And I thought, well, this comes relatively easy to me. I know that I can be hired very well in any different industry, even if I change careers. But just because you're good at something doesn't mean that that's your path. It just doesn't mean that it's your purpose or your passion. Like, I don't want to be good at something that I hate, you know? And I thought about that towards the end of my time in the nine to five world. I was like, that's not an accomplishment for me to be good at something that doesn't make me happy. It's so true. It's okay for me to actually not be thriving in this environment because I'd rather be thriving at something that I love and rather be thriving at something that brings me joy and brings me fulfillment and brings other people fulfillment. You, you can't lie to yourself. You can try for a long time. You can, you can try lying to friends and families. And, and, and it's almost like when you hear yourself reciting your accomplishments or I got this promotion or I got this raise or I got this whatever happens in the job, it doesn't actually make you feel that good because you're, there's a disconnect with, with your mind-body alignment with what your actual purpose is. I kind of always would hear myself, you know, at mixers or networking events, you know, I was reciting this, these corporate scripts as I'm talking about projects that I'm working on. But it was literally just, it was all rhetoric that took place in this very specific ecosystem that was, that's not how I talk. <laughs> and so this, the, the dualism of having to leave my authentic self at the door before entering the workplace, it just no longer was working for me. That's such an important lesson that you have pointed out around when the when the win is really a fail, when you are thriving professionally at something that doesn't feel good. That's not no. winning. That's not winning. It, and then sometimes your whole being will just reject the whole oh, everything. Yeah. And then you actually feel it and you're like, I cannot succeed because 
my whole being is rejecting this notion. You feel like you're failing, but you're you're actually as a being, your body and your intuition and everything is speaking to you so loudly. It's trying to talk to you and it's shutting down the wrong Mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. It was it was so interesting because during that time I continued to push forward because I think for a lot of us we can tell ourselves a story about why we should stay or why we're comfortable or why we can't take that leap because it's this unknown. What does the other side even look like? Why would I quit my comfortable job? What would I do? How will I pay my bills? All of these very real questions. I could see that that for me for many years led to me just staying put. I stayed, I settled, I stayed comfortable. I, I stayed in that grind because the path outside of that just was too unknown for me to even contemplate. It was always this thing I would dream about, but it was never something that I really felt like I could navigate because there was really no steps to figure out how to do that. What was the grind you were in? The grind was Monday through Friday of waking up at six after a poor night of sleep, trying to squeeze in 15 minutes of some type of self-care, if possible, many times not, sometimes immediately rolling out of bed opening up the laptop to see what kind of emails may have come in over the night. If you missed anything, kind of trying to get yourself prepared for the day. At one point I was living in the Valley in uh, Los Angeles. I was living in Sherman Oaks and I was commuting over to Santa Monica. So my commute at any given time could have been an hour, hour and 15, hour and a half, (laughs) you know, on a good morning. I got here from 45 minutes, you know, and um, so by the time you get there, you're already like, <laughs> you need a break Done. just from your road trip. It was nonstop pressure and the tension in the air in these corp- some of these corporate environments or these sort of, I was working in these like tech startup industries. The tension was so thick and it was as if the unspoken sort of elephant in the room was that it's not sustainable to work that long and that hard without taking care. I mean, the, the small things that we could do would step, step outside for a few minutes to walk across the street and go grab some food and get a little bit of sun. And I just remember in those few moments of get, getting outside of the office for just 10 minutes, 15 minutes of feeling like this is where the world is. This is where life is. This is where I feel alive again. And then having to really dig so deep to go back in and work another, I mean, it was working probably like 12 to 16 hour days at any given time, because that was just the expectation and everybody was doing it. So nobody sort of realized like, wait a minute, there's no sense of balance here. There's no sense of, of this isn't healthy. I mean, it was like a normal thing for people to get jitters and anxiety and they would call them like the Sunday night sweats of thinking about going back into the office the next morning. It was like you work your entire week of just trying to get through. You're like, okay, I made it through to Wednesday. I made it to Thursday. You know, I'm, I'm that much closer. Like it was like the weekend was this prized thing that everybody was trying to just grind through the week to kind of get to these two days of liberty and of balance and of joy and of connecting to the things that matter to them. I remember thinking that was wild because even on Friday nights, you're just trying to decompress from your crazy week. So it's not like you have yeah. energy. You're trying to just... Take finally a deep breath, have a glass of wine, have, have take a hot bath, connect with a friend. And then Saturday, you get a day to kind of like, all right, you know, I got I can schedule my errands. I can get out. I can see people, maybe do a little day party. And then Sunday, you're already thinking about the week ahead. And I just remember thinking, yeah. like, this is wild. This is wild that 
that someone else, an older white man, has this much authority over my mood, over my day, over my schedule, over my time, over my security and stability in life. And I remembered the the more stressful the job got, because the longer I was there, the more I'd get promoted or put on different projects. The the dichotomy or sort of like what I needed to release from that was something so primal. I ended up while I was living in LA, I wasn't kicking it. I wasn't out partying, doing all the cute LA things. I went to start growing my own food. I started gardening. I, I went out and I found a community plot. It was maybe like 10 by 12 or whatever it was. I started growing uh, strawberries, broccoli, wow. bok choy, um, Brussels sprouts, because I had this very primal need to connect again to the earth and just to my body. Like I would literally said, let me go touch the dirt. I literally would go there. (laughs) I would take off my shoes, put on some like reggae Rasta vibes and be out there for hours. I didn't know what I was doing. I've never been taught how to garden, but there was this such a primal pull to just connecting back to self, connect like a grounding that, you know, being in the sun, breathing the fresh air, like very simple things that we as human beings need on it on an instinctive level to keep ourselves okay. I remember thinking that was like, okay, you, that was like regeneration, you know, it was, wow. it was like a coming back to life, like life trying to resuscitate me, like, okay. <laughs> Do you remember what what brought you back to the earth? Did, was it did you watch something? Did you read something? It just was a, something from the inside. It was a series of things. So I always had this idea that the more stressful my environment got, by that meaning the job or whatever was the politics of the job, having a horrible manager or whatever. The more stressful that got up, I had to equally ramp up the self care because if something you know. And this is ideally. So it meant that, okay, if I used to spend 15 minutes on self-care in the morning, now I have to spend an hour. Now I have to spend two hours. That just means I'm waking up a little bit earlier. So at one point, because the job had gotten so bad, I was um, spending an hour or two in the morning. I would take a hot bath. I would read a book. I would do a whole ritual in the morning, yoga, meditation. I'm trying to eat something clean. Um, And... It was the the repetition of that that allowed for me to just create a little bit more space, you know, mentally and spiritually. It allowed for me to push some of the noise out just for a small window of time. And over time, it's that the whispers about my path in life became a little bit louder because I was creating more space for it. I was allowing for the messages and the communication or the whisper or the intuition about the path that I should be taking. I was just giving it a little bit more room to breathe, whether it was through gardening, whether it was through yoga, meditation, taking a yoga class, not hanging out with people, being spending a lot of alone time, sitting out in the sun. Um, you know, there was these different activities that were just about trying to sort of just quiet the noise. And as soon as I created a little bit more space for that, the messages got a little bit louder. And the louder that the messages got, the more I couldn't ignore them. You know, I'm going into the office and I'm doing things now to protect myself from this environment because I'm realizing that, okay, there's going to be a, a departure from this eventually. I don't know exactly how, but I'm, I'm armoring up for this transition. And people do not talk about how challenging 
those transitions are. No. But without a shadow of a doubt, it was one of the hardest things I've I've done in life. It was one of the hardest things of having the courage. It's not like I come from wealthy parents that could say, okay, quit your job, come on home. We got this penthouse sitting here for you to, you know what I mean? (laughs) We are governing, okay? (laughs) Preach. (laughs) So there was no backup plan. I was the backup plan. Before we talk about the scary transition and the transformation that you went through, I just want to touch and agree and enjoy the the wisdom that you just dropped about creating space to hear the messages. People talk about listening to your intuition and, and getting messages about what they're supposed to do with their lives. And before I was able to process and hear those messages for myself, I was always wondering like, well, what do you mean? Like, how does that even happen? What does that really feel like, look like, sound like. And I do think that the reason that I couldn't tap into it was because life was so noisy. That work that you did to intentionally create new space, time to clear, time to really just be in touch with yourself. Ah, that sounds life-saving. Yeah, it it was. It felt, I felt like I was in survival mode. For people who haven't been through it, it might sound silly, like, girl, you just had a bad, a stressful job or, you just, you know, big deal. You weren't going, your your health was okay or your whatever was okay. You weren't, you know, losing a house. and But that was a very real experience for me. And, and for those that have been in that path and who have, particularly as women or as people of color that are working in environments where they're, they're working for folks that don't look like them and don't come from their background. It was a really, really, it was just a challenging chapter. You know, I felt like I was just getting beat up in life. And, and luckily, I think one of the things that also helped in addition to that was having my, my, my mother and my family and my brother in particular was really, really helpful. So mind you, my brother is this dancer DJ that lives in Berlin right now. So all he knows is this place of unknown and ambiguity. He doesn't operate from this deep-seated fear because so much of that chapter and so much of that journey, now in hindsight, I can see how much fear was running through my life about what the what-ifs and all the ways that things can go wrong. And part of what helped was starting to think about all the ways things could go right. Because I was sitting in the car for so long in LA, sitting in traffic, I said, I'm not going to be idle with this time and just listen to music. Let me start plugging things into my consciousness that will give me enough courage to understand how to navigate this because laws of attraction or, or thoughts become things. I believe all of that, but I really started to put that into practice by listening to podcasts or YouTube videos or documentaries about people that had been through it, that had been in a from point A had figured out how to get to point B and they told me their stories, whether it was, you know, someone who was had a side hustle and they slowly started to cultivate that into their full-time gig or someone who decided to quit and go buy land and live off grid and reconnect with the earth because living in the city at working on wall street was completely crippling for them emotionally or whatever the story was. I kept listening to all of these And it slowly made me feel in a digital capacity, like I was a part of this tribe maybe, or, or that I'm like, if so many other people have figured this out, there's no way I'm smart. I 
I'm so talented. There's no reason if all these other people have figured it out and they're alive to tell the story, they ended up figuring things out and maybe they even thrived once they got to the other side. So it was sort of about shifting and and really flooding my consciousness with stories and messages and language that would allow for me to feel a little less anxious about it. That was one of the most helpful things that I could have done. You know, it was everything that I needed to sort of feel like it's possible, you know? I love that. Let me try to give myself the things to focus on that will actually help me in into the next phase of the next chapter of my life. Yeah. It was an, it was an absolute act of love for self-love. You know, it was, it was a moment of fuck this. I deserve better, <laughs> you know, and then Exactly. In the deepest yes. of ways. And I remember one day I was still at the office. Everybody had left. I was working late. And it was just such a hard week. It was such a hard day. And I just remember I just got hit with this unrealistic project that was going to have me up late for the next however many weeks. And I just remember being like, fuck this. I'm so sad. You know, like <laughs> I would spend so much time sitting in these meetings daydreaming about you know, years before when I had traveled through Brazil or Africa, I would have envy for the damn UPS mail delivery guy that would come in because I'm like, at least he's outside getting sun and seeing the world. <laughs> he's not stuck in this dumb office, sitting in these terrible meetings, Ugh. working on these terrible projects that, n- that literally nobody cares about. That was kind of the thing. I was like, I would always pull coworkers or, uh, aside and I'd always ask them like, is this really what you want to do in life? Is this really your passion? Is this you know, do you love what you do? Do you wake up excited about your day? You know, just once I got to know them, I, you know, kind of build a relationship. I didn't talk to not one person that, that emphatically would light up when they talk about Um, what they were doing. Everybody said, no, I got, you know, a kid that's in college or I have a mortgage to pay or I'm supporting my husband or I'm supporting my wife. There was never, you know, mm -hmm. I need these benefits. And people were, you know, I remembered thinking, And one of the clearest messages and loudest messages that I got at the time was that if I stayed in that environment and if I did not listen to my intuition that was telling me I needed to leave, and if I continued um, harming my body in that way, that that was how cancer starts. It was a very, I remember like glancing around the office and there was like a couple people that had like, were secretly like taking like all kind of like medications that were in their drawer. And I literally was like, I saw the office completely different. I was like, this is really how disease starts when you go so against your body's natural needs and inclinations. And you continue to fight against that and suppress it and say, I'll tend to my body later. I'll go on vacation in you know, seven months and get two days of laying in the sun, eating healthy, getting some, you know, relaxing, allowing Mm -hmm. my body to rest and relax and get proper sleep and not be mentally exhausted or feel defeated. Or I just remember being like, no, 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 we're not going to stick around and wait to see what this does to my body. I snuck off into a, a conference room one day. I called my brother and I was venting and I started crying. I was, you know, I was, and he was like, just leave. Mm-hmm. Quit, <laughs> just, just quit. And for what he probably said that before in another way, but for whatever reason, the culmination of all the work that I'd been doing inwardly on my own, plus how bad it had gotten him saying it to me in that moment. I remember I was looking at him on the phone. I was like, Really? Should, should I? It was like that moment of like, wait, can I? Like, oh, you know, 
And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. <laughs> you know? and like, from there, like everything started, I, it, like the world opened up, the sky opened and, you know, it, it became, that's when the fun started, you know, the, the hard part, but that's also when the fun started. <laughs> oh, this is getting so good, but it's time for a quick break. This podcast is affiliated with bookshop.org. Bookshop is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. So whenever you head over to bookshop.org slash shop slash you better and purchase my book recommendations, you are not only supporting your own self-love and self-discovery journey, you are also helping to keep local bookstores as an integral part of our culture and communities. And guess what? You are also financially supporting the production of You Better. Again, that's bookshop.org slash shop slash you better. All right, head over there to get shopping. Now let's get back to the show. Oh my goodness. So you had mentioned um, traveling and you were encouraged to travel and, and explore the world since you were young. So how does that come into play here? Do you think that that had anything to do with Hmm. your perspective on, on what your life had become? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I think that traveling to different places and seeing how other cultures so beautifully centralize things that matter a little bit more and in different ways than we do in the States, being family, being time with friends, being time to rest. I always read these headlines about the Netherlands or Finland, how they are adopting these incredibly progressive laws for their states that allow for people to have like a four day work week where they're only working six hours a day. Or And even through Brazil, that was the only country that I've ever been to that I've spent time in where I literally felt like time was moving backwards. I felt like I was getting younger, like the cells in my body were regenerating in a way that they weren't anywhere else. It was unreal. I think that absolutely contributed to it because it gives you a sense of really what's important and what matters. Once you've seen that, you you can't unlearn that. You can't unsee some of those experiences. I had nostalgia for the the whole time I was in these like cooped up in these office environments. I literally was staring out the window and just dream about, you know, I'd rather be doing anything else, you know, anywhere else. You know, particularly I think when you're young, it allows for you to mature in a really special and beautiful way. I think the years that I spent traveling were really pivotal to my development. So I was traveling all, all throughout the time that I was younger, but particularly spending three, four, five months while I was in, in college. It just completely shapes, reshapes the way that you see the world, where you realize that like the bubble that we live in in the States is there's so much more than that. Yeah, that perspective is such a gift. We exist inside of this really intense capitalistic structure. And inside of that is a lot of just competition, production. We need it faster. We need it bigger. And we must all commit our lives to this. And I think that until you have an opportunity to see something else being centered as the most important, it's hard to imagine it because that crunch has limited our imagination. And in ways, we're raised to almost pity Mm -hmm. other cultures 
and thinking, well, they don't have the same materialistic stuff that we have. Oh, I can be grateful that I'm here because I have this, that, and the third. My Wi-Fi is better. My 5G. And-, <laughs> and meanwhile, they like, y'all so excited to have those things. We actually right. get yeah. time with our love. And we haven't lost our connection to nature or to spirituality or to you know our, our cultural values. The first place that I went when I left uh, LA after leaving that final last job was was to Canada. I I remember sneaking off into one of my little uh, cubicle. I I had seen on LinkedIn a colleague of mine from graduate school, and I remember seeing on her um, her bio that she was doing yoga. And I was like, that's interesting because we both got our masters together, and our masters was in public health. Why is she doing yoga? That has nothing to do with you know what we went to school for. How is you know that sounds interesting, but at the time. Anything that was more connected to the body or to self-care or to wellness was so attracting and appealing to me that I reached out to her and I was like, what have you been doing since we graduated from grad school? Like, you're obviously up to something. She's like, oh, I'm teaching and, you know, teaching yoga and I'm traveling. And and it just all sounded kind of like, you know, go with the flow. I was like, that sounds amazing. (laughs) And she told me about a program that she had participated in where it was sort of like a live-in uh, yoga, yogic community in Canada that was like completely off the grid. I applied for it while I was at work one day. And I remember telling myself, if you get accepted into this program, you have to go. This is going to be the thing that's going to hold, like, I can't, don't change your mind. It doesn't matter if they offer you a better this or any kind of story I tell myself about why I can or should stay, this is going to be the thing that's going to be this deal breaker for me. So if, if they write back to you and say, you've been accepted to our program, that means you're quitting your job, you're leaving your relationship, you're leaving the city, you are packing everything up and you're going to Canada. And sure enough, I got it. I how through maybe three weeks, four weeks later. And this whole time I was like anxious. And it, it's not like I was going to go off and become a yoga teacher. That wasn't the point. The point was that that was going to be the thing that could extract me out of that entire ecosystem environment that I would built. And when I got the acceptance email, I remember I was like, well, that's it. I, I said, I, I told myself I would do it and now I have to do it. So sure enough, I packed up everything. I quit the job. I, left, I packed up everything from L.A., and I went out and I slept in the forest in the woods with seven other yogic girls for like six weeks in the middle of Canada, in the middle of nowhere where I knew no one. And I sat on the earth. We meditated. I, I observed like seven to 10 days of complete silence. We ate food that was grown in a garden that we could see. It was the most regenerating, amazing, perfect experience that I needed, you know, at the time to again bring me back to life. And by the time I got out of that experience and I came back, I was so ready to dive into my craft with so much tunnel vision and passion and focus because I had kind of, I had done it, you know, I'd done the work to kind of like, all right, (laughs) we're done with that past chapter. Canada got me all the way together. And, and I was able to come and put so much fire into the business that I wouldn't have had energy or creativity for had I not gone through that. What was it like that last day you were finished with this beautiful experience in Canada and it's time to come back home or it's time to go back and go do whatever is next. How did that last day feel? It was a little bittersweet, I think, because I was, I remember as soon as my mom saw me, for the, she had dropped me off and she came to pick me up and then that was however many weeks or you know months in between. 
And the first thing she said was how white the whites of my eyes were and how bright they were and how how clear my skin was because I was just in in incredible health within that time. It was like a huge detox in in a lot of ways. So there was a, a part of me that was a little sad because that environment was so sacred and was was filled with so many other people who equally prioritized their off the beaten path journeys in life to some extent. You know, there's people from all over the world that would come to sort of be there to just regenerate and reset and connect. So I was a little sad because in the city, you don't necessarily have that. You're not growing. You can't see your food that you're eating when you look out the window in the city. <laughs> you could, maybe, if people are, you know. Um, but it was it was a, such a special and sweet time. But I was also excited to kind of come back and take take action towards my what was my business at the time that really was still getting started. Back then, it wasn't doing what it is now. So it it was also kind of like, all right, let's figure out how to puzzle piece this thing together. That required, you know, it was it was time for me to hustle. You know, it was time for me to get back into a grind. But I had so much more vigor for it because it was coming from a place of truth. So for the people listening, business that you are referring to is Suki's Candle Company, where, hold on, let me, I want to say these words to you and so that I can enjoy uh, you hearing these words. Suki's Candle Company provides exotically scented premium soy wax candles made fresh to order and individually hand poured. Just the way it exotically scented. I just like to say it. uh, I feel like there's a vibe. Mm. There's just a whole feeling I get when I'm experiencing the product that you make, the way you describe it. I can feel the intention. I can feel the heart and the soul in what you create. So I I love hearing the origin story of how, you know, what you create came to be because it's it feels so evident in what what is here now that you really are approaching this yeah. business from a place of real wow, heart and real thank intention. Thank you for that. What a beautiful description. You're hired. You can you, you let me know yeah. when the voiceover uh, is time for I'm that. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so, what stage of evolution was Suki's Candle Company at when you had the Canadian it was voyage? Tough. I mean, I was I was uprooting the whole business from California, which is which is where I'd, I'd started the company. I'd started it in my kitchen while I was in LA. And that was one of my, in addition to many of the other self-care practices that we talked about, such as putting my feet in the dirt on the weekends to try to garden and grow some food. It was also coming home to make things with my hands in my kitchen. And so LA was a sort of the exploratory chapter. I think I was I was really perfecting my craft. I started doing some farmers markets there. I I slowly started getting the website up um, at the time. I think I started on Etsy and then I eventually launched my own website. But when I came back home, I think because I'm from here, there's this sense, and I've lived in a few other cities. This is my first time coming back. I'd been gone for 13 years. So I was able to come back and bring some of that hustle um, and some of that bigger city drive, if you will, to my hometown, to Seattle. And Seattle's not a small place, but because I'm from here, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, we're about to do this. We're we're taking this whole town over. You know, there's like, it's a sense of confidence. I think it's just your, your, I know the terrain. I know the region. I have a lot of connections. I have a lot of networks out here. So I was able to come back and really have the confidence to be able to start approaching stores and 
believed in my product enough that I could say, yeah, I can see my product standing toe to toe with some other big retail brands. It took a while, but one day I just remembered feeling like I maybe had a glass or two of wine. I was feeling a little, I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling a little, a little bit confident that day when it came to taking a big risk with the business. And I remember walking into a store completely randomly. I hadn't emailed them. I just had product. I dropped it off and I was like, hey, I'm from here. I just moved back. This is the product that I make. Try it. Let me know what you think. If you're interested, let me know, et cetera. And I think I'm, I went into one and it went well. And I was like, well, there's another store two blocks down. Let me go. And I ended up hitting like three or four stores that day. And out of the three or four stores that I hit up, I think like two or three of them signed up with me. And like literally within a week, just from me having this liquid courage, I was able to take the business to the next stage because then once you can say, oh, I'm in this store and this store, then going into any other store is so much easier because you have the credibility and you have the other, other people have believed in you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm forever grateful for my hometown for being that for me, you know, allowing for me to take that leap from just selling online to, to customers to, it's an incredible feeling to walk into a store and be like, those are my products right there, you know, and I made them or I had a team that made them or I never would have imagined when I got started that that's where we would be. And I think last year was our biggest year in terms of expansion. That way we're in 13 different stores now, or 12 or 13 different stores around the region. It's a big part of our business. And I just, I would have never expected, you know, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought back during my LA days that like, girl, don't, don't worry. In a couple years, you'll be doing stuff you never would have imagined, you know? Congratulations. Wow. So speaking of things you would have never imagined. What would young you think of who you are today? You and these beautiful questions. I tell you, you just get right to the heart of things. I love it. <laughs> I don't know that the that the young me thought of myself as, as like a fighter or sort of mm-hmm. like a warrior, if you will, in the way that it required for me to dig deep to take this huge leap of faith in life, but also what it requires for me to keep going and maintaining and that it requires this this hustle and this grit and this sort of an unrelenting drive towards expansion and growth. It's this thing of like, all right, let's if there's if there's not a solution, let me figure out how to how to carve a path where nothing exists. Let me bring something into existence or manifest something that currently doesn't exist. And I'm the only one that can do it. So I think that that's kind of like a surprise that I would not have expected for my journey. One of my biggest driving or or life values, if you will, currently is freedom. Because anytime I feel as though my wings, if you will, are being clipped or that I'm sort of being confined to something, my creativity is thrown off or my sense of joy is thrown off because I have this perpetual need to feel as though there's this expansiveness in my life. And I spent so much time as a child daydreaming and dreaming about these other realms or dreaming about these other um, possibilities or paths that my life could take. The fact that I'm now able to utilize so much of that in my career, in my in my path now that like this daydreaming, this conceptualizing of like what's coming next and having visions of what you want to bring forth is, is beautiful that that's actually like a necessity of part of what I do. You know, you have to be creative. You have to be innovative or think about what's coming next. 
So it's interesting to see how all of these patterns and all of these things from childhood are able to be represented in what I'm doing now in a way that I, could, I couldn't imagine any other career being able to allow for so many different parts of myself and my gifts to be represented in an authentic way. And when you said um, what feels good, it reminded me of something that really delighted me the first time we had a conversation and we talked about the way that you yeah. run your business. I would love if you could share with the folks listening just about your approach to business now that you're a boss and now that you're in the driver's seat, how your own personal values infiltrate the operations. Well, it's so beautiful because it ties actually back to our conversation about traveling and, and some of the takeaways or insights that you get from other cultures and how they shift and reprioritize. It's not that they don't run businesses. It's not that they don't work hard, but there's just balance and there's flow and there's harmony that's a part of that. Um, and so um, in many ways, I I want my business to be, and I expect that my business will continue to be driven by ethics over profit. Um, and by that, I mean that it's always going to be more important to me to centralize self-care and wellness for myself and my team and for my customers than it will ever be for me to be a multi-million dollar company. If I was driven by profit or growth or scale or capitalism or anything else, I would have taken a completely different path. I would have had investors by now. I would be scaling at 2x, 3x, 5, you know. And it's not that we're not growing. We're growing beautifully. And it's all through word of mouth. But I really prioritize taking a slow and gentle and and very feminine approach to to what we do, that we will never uh, rush through the production process, but we really like to make things with our hands. We like to hand pour. We individually hand wick each one of our candles. Um, I really was intentional about sourcing ingredients that were non-toxic and not harming to ourselves, that we're bringing this into our homes, which is our, our sacred environment. So I really crafted with a great amount of intention. I spent two years working on my formula, on my recipe, on making sure that, that the candles burn evenly and beautifully. And, and it's important to me that there's flow and harmony and joy. And, you know, for my team, if, if, there's, if they're going through something, I, I've hired now uh, five different young women throughout the region. They're in high school. They're incredible young women that work so hard and they're so excited about what we're doing. But if there's times where they uh, aren't feeling well, maybe she, somebody's got cramps, maybe somebody's, you know, a relative of theirs have died. Maybe they're not feeling, what, take a day, take a day, rest, 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 relax, you know? And for myself as well, if I'm, if I'm not feeling if I'm not feeling in alignment, if I'm not, if I feel like I'm pushing myself too hard, if I feel like I need to slow down, if I feel like I need to sleep that night instead of pushing for another four or five hours, I give myself that grace because um, I, I never want this work to feel anything, even the closest thing of what I came from. It's important to me that I take care of my team and that I value people being able to be who they are, communicate how you communicate, dress how you want to dress. There's no like shaping people into any other idea of who I think they should be. It's about allowing people to be in their own personal flow while they're doing the work because it allows for them to bring um, so much more joy and so much more authenticity into the work. 
I'm not an Amazon and I'm never striving to be. I'm, you know, we're not going to be a next day delivery candle company. We're going to be the candle company that tries to take really good care of their team and tries to take care of, of self, CEO owner. And then also of, of making sure that our customers, luckily, and I love them, I've been very grateful, but they wait, you know, they, it's seven to 10 days for us to produce because we're doing everything in a really slow and beautiful. And we take the time to, to craft something that's high quality. And that's not something that you can rush. What we're doing is, is beautiful. And we're in our own very specific lane. And it's important to me, that will always be more important to me to have a, a balanced company that's driven by self-care and wellness. I can't promote self-care to others if it's not reflected in the company and then within my own life. It comes down to small things like uh, never spamming people with emails. You know, I think even brands that I love, like I don't need to see an email from you once a week, you know, and, and you'll never get in you. Hopefully you won't get emails from me once a week, even if it means that I could be driving more conversions and sales. It's not that important to me. I don't want to add to the noise of what's going on. I want you to buy a candle because it will enhance your space. Or because you, it's an investment in self-care for you or because it's a gift that you're deliberate about giving to someone else. It's, I never want to entice people into selling. And, and that, in some ways, that makes me a bad businesswoman. But we're here. We're available. We make beautiful products that are, that are intentionally made. But we're never going to you know, get in your face with a buy, buy, buy. You know, that's just not who we are. I love it so much. It's revolutionary to exist in this way when businesses are advised to operate in a very, very different way. You're making space for people's humanity. And if we think back to the conversation we had earlier about people being so pressed that they can't Mm -hmm. even hear Mm -hmm. the messages Mm -hmm. from inside, you're not continually making yourself or the people who work for you Mm -hmm. ignore the messages about what would feel good for them or what would feel healthy for them in the name of business success. And thus you're not adding to the training that people get to ignore the messages from inside. You're doing this a whole nother way that allows people that after that confirmation that you can listen to the message from inside of yourself. Yeah. And you know, in many ways, I'm I'm going about some of what I'm doing, quote unquote, wrong. I should by now be uh, looking into having investors, or I should have taken out loans. I've done none of that. I've bootstrapped this this company the entire time by myself, and it's because getting capital is is great and it does allow for our brands to grow and scale and have more visibility. But it also means that we're giving up equity, and it also means that we're giving up a part of our our business. Maybe I'll be different in a few years, but today there's no one, uh, no one's put in the blood, sweat and tears into this business in the way that I have to be able to come in with any amount of capital to say, this is the direction we're taking the company, or this is, this is what we're deciding. Cause it's important to me. I want to continue to be able to hire, um, felons, people that are, have, have a hard time gaining employment. Otherwise, that's an important part of how I'm growing the company. So it it means that I'm continuing to self-fund this, but it also means that I have 100% of authority and autonomy over how I'm doing things. And again, going back to what I was talking about, about being guided by freedom, that's huge to me. You know, it's huge to me. I can decide how fast we grow or don't grow. I can decide if we need to slow down because the team is exhausted or they're going through things, you know. 
I'm seeing this trend slow. It's very slow, and there's only a few of us that I've heard talk about it, but I'm starting to see a few more conversations around other women that are in business that are um, allowing for the way that they run their business to be sort of like a counterculture against like capitalism and the ways that we're traditionally taught to run and facilitate our businesses, meaning that they allow for there to be a little bit more seasonality. Also, the consumer is also interested in, in companies like that. I think consumers continue to care about the story of, of the quality of ingredients or things being eco-friendly or having a minimal carbon footprint. And so it's it's a beautiful shift that I think we're starting to see smaller local handmade goods really be able to live off of that. You know, you're seeing brands that mm-hmm. it's this sort of renaissance of for for makers, you know, it's a, such an exciting time to see people step into their their passion but be able to actually live off of that and prosper. Yeah, it's it's a whole new way to think about a company living mm-hmm. its values. There's something on your website and it's about candles, but this is really about everything it sounds like to me. It says you deserve to treat yourself gently and with kindness when no one's watching. That was a message that you had for us about creating our home environments and how we treat ourselves as customers of yours. But I hear that in the way you live your life. I hear that in the way you run your business, everything. So I I thank you for living that line that you are saying to us as consumers. I appreciate that. Every time I hear you talk about the brand and the company and what I've done, you you capture it in such a beautiful way. That's exciting for me because it makes me feel like what I've put out there, both as a product, but also more so than the product. It's not, I said this also in one of my blogs that like, I almost don't really care if you burn my candles specifically. It's more, It's not about that. It's about you taking the time and your space for you, whether you're burning my candle, you're, or if you're, you know, burning incense, you're reading a book, you're slowing, whatever it is, it's about a shift from the, the go, go, go. This has to be now. It has to be right away. Um, the intensity of that to just shake some of that up. Yes. Uh, one of the reasons why I am able to reflect back to you from a really genuine place is because who you are gives me hope. And there's just so much about the way that you move through life and so much about the way that you describe the decisions that you make that gives me hope that I can do it. You can. You can and you are doing it. Not just not just you can, you are. <laughs> you are doing it. Literally. So you are in your path, you are doing it, and we need more of you that that are doing what you're doing, you know, that are able to to allow for us to have these heartfelt, meaningful, authentic, vulnerable, but so, so rich and beautiful, you know, conversations. And in many ways, you know, I hope that for anyone listening and and who knows, you know, like there's there's no telling that this could not be the beginning of somebody having a you know, a spark of their life of being like, you know what, (laughs) what's the worst that could happen? Let Mm -hmm. me just, let me just try these two other (laughs) women that are here talking about their journeys. They took the leap and they're alive and well to, to share about it today. Yes. I am so grateful for people who are willing to teach from their life experiences. 
Now, before we wrap up with lessons learned today, let's take one more small break. Part of me taking better care of me is making sure that you know how to book me so we can continue learning together and so I can continue paying my bills, okay? So if you like what you're learning here on You Better, let's take this thing to the next level. Email me today to book me for your next event where personal growth or activating care for different communities and cultures are on the agenda. I am ready to moderate meaningful conversations, to lead learning circles, or to speak about how we can be better to ourselves and others. And if it's a conference type thing, that's great because I'm a dope MC as well. Tap into my enthusiasm for encouraging us to love and celebrate the richness of our varied experiences. Email me today at info at keishagarrison.co. And don't get that mixed up, okay? That's an I before E in that Keisha, and that is a dot C-O at the end. Info at KeishaGarrison.co. I'll be looking out for your message. Now let's wrap up the show. Oh, I so wish I had met Suki years ago, but I'm glad I had a chance to speak with her today. So what can we learn from her story? Well, I got a lot, so bear with me. One, don't be satisfied winning at something you hate. If you suffer while succeeding, is it really success? Also, make space to hear the messages from inside yourself. Find the conditions where you can actually hear your soul, your intuition. Then, flood your consciousness with the inspiration and information that you need to move forward. It's like reprogramming yourself. Also, if you get the opportunity to travel, to see other cultures in action, take it. And if you can't, I'd advise perhaps taking in some documentaries or read some books that can give you more global perspective. And finally, be the change you want to see in the world instead of perpetuating the very things that made your life harder. It's not just a cliche statement. It's something that you can actually do. Okay, I'm also very bookish, so I have to give you some book recommendations with insight that I think will pair well with what we've learned in this episode. I suggest Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, classic. And Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson for some perspective on the underlying infrastructure in our society that we often can't see. And with that, I hope you learned something today that will help you to you better. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you found value in this episode, share it with a loved one. That's the main way we keep the show going and growing. And please leave a rating and a review for me. Let me know what's on your mind. All right. I'll see you next week.